I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Brace yourselves for a noble horror because the call of Cthulhu Mystery Program has returned. Yes. Nerdy Show's beloved RPG audio drama of black comedy and Lovecraftian horror is back with an all-new series, a chilling tale called The Terrible Secret of Lot X. Head to CthulhuMystery.com or find the Call of Cthulhu Mystery program wherever you procure fine podcasts. Succumb to the maddening call of Cthulhu. The following program is presented by the Nerdy Show Network, geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. It contains content that may not be suitable for all ages. Listener discretion is advised. All Nerdy Show podcasts are made possible by the generous support of listeners like you. Discover the many ways you can join in at nerdyshow.com. Hey everybody, welcome back uh, to RPG from Scratch, our 30th design episode. So with us today is obviously me, your host, Josh. I got Liam and Max. Indeed. So at the time of recording this, we're still playing in Max's campaign, Gloomtown. And I'm kind of wondering, Max, how, do you, how are you feeling about it so far, about GMing? What are the, what are the biggest roadblocks you're running into? Um, biggest roadblocks is not story. It's trying to make sure everyone's having fun. I yep, think fair. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like that's a well, sticking been, point for a lot of GMs. I've been having zero fun, so good. Oh no, that's what I was aiming for specifically for you. You just zero fun. Yeah, good. Job, I wanted though. everyone else to have fun. I am thoroughly enjoying living out my secret fantasy of being a very uh, promiscuous bat woman. Yeah, I think it's working. Not I'm, like the superhero. I'm enjoying Cal the most. I think. Yeah, he's uh, Oots is Oots is laying down some jokes, but. The story part is fun. I yeah. enjoy making the story, watching you guys unfold in it. I'm having a lot of fun. I'm wondering, like, tool-wise, as GM, as we're creating the rule book, what kind of tool would be useful for... Because you've expressed difficulty at creating encounters. Yeah. Would, like, some kind of chart representing average difficulties... Yes, that would that, be very helpful. Okay. I think we'll do that then. Because I think if we used our rule of thumb that we created, we're, like, average 75% hit rate. Yeah. If we assume that some characters are going to have better and some are worse, that gives us a better kind of envelope to play in. But also, it, it balances out pretty well, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, like, Hoda is swinging with... Like, a lot. Plus seven on turn two, you know? And Nin's best is plus three, so... Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and by the way, Nin is min-maxed and plus three, so you kind of got to find ways around that. Like, to the point where I think maybe challenge should only affect damage. You know, like that, if, if it turns out, well, we'll, we'll see how it plays out, but I'm, mm-hmm. uh, the more I'm thinking about it, it's like it challenge alone might unbalance the chance to hit so much in an, in an encounter. What if it's first challenge is just a damage. Second challenge is plus one. So Maybe. it's kind of like a rolling. If you keep doing it well, you get, but that's an extra thing to track on top of yeah, tracking it again, like how many rounds yeah. it's been. But also, I, I, I don't know. I want champion to, at the end of encounter to, to, 
be hitting better to kind of roll into it. Yeah, although I do I do feel that once you add the fact that they can spend momentum at any time as well. That yeah. Okay. That. Right? Like maybe maybe that's something we can not changing anything, just mm-hmm. put that let's put that be in our bonnet because I do think maybe chance to hit is overwhelmingly the damage decider. D- decider. Well, or whatever is the yeah. correct word that none of us can think of right now. <laughs> Attribute the primary stat in combat that affects overall damage per round, then maybe maybe we should equalize it a little bit so it's a little easier on GMs. Sounds good. Yeah. Immediate changes, which I don't think I'll I'll see any resistance to, is I think that dual wielding weapons is kind of weak now compared to a two hander because of the way that like granite attacks and stuff like that work. Yeah. Somebody wielding one handed weapon is losing out just so they they can do double strike or alternate what kind of damage they're doing. I don't think that's a big enough benefit. What if you can do an opportunity attack for each weapon that you have? So if you choose to wield dual weapons, the benefit is um, if they move, you can only pick one per opportunity attack, but you get two total that works. per round. Yeah. Okay. Because you have the weapons on different sides of you. It's... Yeah. And yeah, it makes yeah. you a little more flexible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and also, like, it makes you scary in a way that it should like if I've got two swords out and you're trying to go around me on either side of me, you should you should be a little nervous about it. Yeah. You know. Okay, so we'll make that change because the benefit cuz right now like just being able to do double strike, double strike is good, but it's not it's not that. Like it it, it just needs a little bit extra incentive cuz I mean I think there're flavor bonuses too. Yeah. And and maybe like there's some stuff we can add into champion later where there's an extra bonus to wielding two weapons. Yeah. You know, cuz cuz you're going to get everything for landing a big hit with a big weapon just makes you reasonably wary of someone with two weapons. So I was thinking, every every level, given now that we've introduced the dice tier system, the average damage per level increase is between one point of average damage and, and a half. half a point at every tier. Given that we know that, does character health increase too quickly in response to that? I don't think it does, because monster tiers aren't going to work the same way. Right. They don't have to, for yeah. sure. Yeah. And and the whole thing is, if you're even considering, like, okay, one or a half, well over f- four rounds, that's that's getting getting close to what the magic user is, is going to be at. Oh, you mean over four turns? Yeah. One round, four turns. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. I, I, I don't feel that it's the case that it increases too quickly. But the more I thought about it, the more I, I start to see that it might become that. But maybe just the secondary shit that pops off at higher level. I think it also is like, I wouldn't say a propaganda bonus or whatever for the player. It just makes them feel their character is getting more resilient, more resilient, better, more in the story. Or, but even if it's a situation where mm-hmm. like it just gives you an extra round or two to know if you need to run yeah. or encounters run slightly longer, mm-hmm. I don't think that's terrible. I, I agree. Well, you can always, I mean, let's be real. You could always just add damage to whatever the monster does. Yeah. You can always say it does yeah. this plus seven now. That That's not really the problem. My problem was just thinking in terms of making them scale identically. So a lot of the questions and stuff I'm bringing up are very quick decisions about scaling. So our initial thing about attribute defense was that it is 10 plus the relevant ability score. So if I'm trying to attack your body with poison, it would be endurance, right? Uh-huh. And then plus half your level. I think we got to remove the half plus half your level because nothing else increases at that rate. Okay. So it's just 10 plus your ability score. But what that means is that you're level 20. Maybe you still have put zero in endurance. They only have to beat 10. 
That way we can keep, if there's poisons that you drink or things like that, they, they have a fixed difficulty to resist them yeah. that you can choose to scale up on your own without it being automatically, like, mm-hmm. the kings of a realm are taken down with one glass of poison. I feel like that's appropriate. Yeah, just don't have it scale unless you need it to. So given that, we started off this game talking about how you could spend momentum to increase ability scores or take a step down a path. Uh-huh. And then we removed that and, and, and said at every third step, you will automatically get one. I think I, think I want to remove that now. Okay. So I, I want to hear reasons against doing this way, if you guys have any. It sounds damn heretical, but we'll get with it. <laughs> I, what if takes 30 momentum to permanently increase an ability score and you level up so so every time you take a step you get an ability score no you can choose to spend 30 momentum and gain a step okay which levels you up or you can spend 30 and increase ability score and you level up and so you gain hit points yes you gain a fixed amount we'll say maybe four in it's just in line with what the lowest makes so you're never below what the lowest would, would get because there's secondary benefits to it, right? There is. So, for instance, like, it sounds bad only gaining four if I mean, you're Citadel. But if you're Citadel and you're like, I'm already way ahead of the curve in hit points. I need more endurance so I can wear better armor or more strength I want, or more dexterity I want to hit more often. And it, it'll increase my dodge. I like that it's an option for that situation and no one is forced to. I would, but I would still, I would still say five just to, to split the difference. But it's, it's also a thing for, like. Casters are, feel really, really squishy when you play them, yeah. like super squishy. I, I think in a good way, though. It makes I, you real cautious. I, I, I think it makes you real cautious, but it also... The, the lack of defenses and the lack of reactions we even have built in on early levels, it would be nice to be like, oh, I'm going to increase my ability to hit and gain an extra hit point than I usually would, would be... Okay. Very like very useful as a as an exhaust valve, especially if you just keep getting knocked down. Well, how about what if we what if we change it then to forty momentum, five HP? Because that puts you right in the middle. And you still level up. Yeah. By the by the way, so everything else increases as well. It it, it just seems if you're if you're trading off a step down a path that probably has more hit points and its features, and a lot of them are pretty good. Sure. Like. 40 momentum seems like a lot like the the attribute skill is going to be that's going that can be really really useful i I just don't think it's it becomes way less valuable at 40 there's a there's a cost benefit of i could do something else with that it's true i guess that's that's my that's my worry is i want it i think it's exactly as valuable as it needs to be for that person who decides to do it right like so so if you're like well i'm not gonna take a step because i really need this thing Uh uh-huh if we make it twenty, I'm saying you're leveling up at twenty. You know, like yeah. every time. Uh, I'm still saying thirty. It's it's a situation where you have to pick between a step and an attribute, and it, okay. and you don't have to do extra math. Yeah. So so a step or an attribute, and how much health do you gain? I don't think five is a lot. I think five is fine. I was thinking of six is way too much though. Yeah, like, six is too I th- much. I feel like four is not enough. Six five is, is way right too out. much. Yeah. I I my my thinking was. That maybe if it was at 40, we could fold in and increase your profession at the same time. But I think that actually should be separate. I really, yeah. Okay, so let's do that. Let's let's say 30 momentum, you can permanently increase one attribute. You gain five health, and you level up. Great. Should there be a, a an upper limit to where your attributes can go? No. Okay. Because if you, you make a 
let's see, level nine characters. Uh-huh. Okay, so we've got two level nine characters. One is pure death. So he's he's gone ten steps uh-huh. down the path of death. And then you've got a guy who has nine strength. Or sorry, he, he's, he's probably has nine. twelve. He's added nine to his strength. He has twelve, and then he's got plus three to hit. And he's a champion, so it keeps building as his challenge target dies. At level nine in our game, that's much higher equivalent than level twenty, the D and D or Pathfinder. That's we're talking like the equivalent almost of a level twenty character. Yeah. At level nine, does being able to do, let's say you got a warhammer like Hoda, so it's the most damage you could do. So it's plus twenty five, plus nine, so plus twenty, plus thirty four. So helmet splitter, if we if we use this rule, would do four d ten plus a d four plus twenty four. Yes, that's a lot. That's a whole lot. Right. So a crit is sixty eight. Uh-huh. Level nine death. Well, actually, let's let's think. It's hard to quantify because they now have multiple undead creatures running around yep. at the same time, all of which are are boosted by just the raw damage of their level increasing. Yep. All the time. That doesn't sound beyond the pale. No. I think that's okay. Maybe we'll we'll just play with it for a while. We'll probably do another mock combat with higher level characters where somebody just spends attribute points. I don't think it's going to be broken. I was just bringing up the idea. Like, yeah, I don't yeah, think yeah. it's a problem. No, I want, I want any objections because I do think it, to me at least, it sounds appropriate. Because you can make your character and be like, yeah, I'll take another step down this. I just really wish I had more intelligence so I could land my attacks more often yeah. with, with ranged, you know, with spells. I feel like I want to give you that option before you decide to go further down a path where you feel underpowered. Or correcting, you know, a a, a character creation mistake yeah. where you're like, ooh, I, I should have... I should have counted less on the damage and more on the chance to hit. Yeah, and the fact that you level up in addition to it, I think, is is the thing that solves it. Because before, it would have been yeah. way too much to just spend 30 and gain an attribute. But now we have a leveling mechanic where you gain health and you... and you Increase and all of your, your damage, yeah. Increase your damage for everything. All right, cool. I like that. So now let's talk about professions. So the way we had it before, every two steps, you increase your profession by one. I think that's both too fast and or too slow. And also, it, there's no momentum cost associated with it. I think momentum needs to be folded into every one of these decisions. Yes. So how much momentum to add one to a profession? Should it be a sliding scale? I think it should increase. Increase in difficulty? I, yeah. I think to become a novice at something isn't generally that hard to do. Mm-mm. You could you could spend a couple days, get okay at something. Mm-hmm. To To slightly increase your mastery, though, takes years. Right. So what if um, maybe 10 momentum for every point? To like 5, and then it'd be like 15. Well, no, I mean, no, sorry. Increase by 10 ooh, momentum. Ooh, I think that's, that's too high. You think Cause so? Because that scales past a step real fast. Yes. I like Liam's idea because you could break it down into, like like you said, novice, journeyman, that kind of thing. Yeah, if you're in that so level. There's, there's like th- 3 or 5 points that only cost 10, and then you get mm-hmm. to a certain level where you're like, when I make a thing now, it's the thing that i do with like but getting yeah because what's the cap on we got no cap that's why yeah. i thought a sliding scale would act as its own cap but i'm thinking like 30 is anyone gonna have 30 in their thing that would be mastery of it oh that'd be like grand mastery i think it would be yeah. a good fi- like one well, one to five novice we're, well remember here so maybe by five for each point then because think because it, it won't increase by a fast but like we're talking if your character only sits in the back and is like a medic. You don't really care about taking extra steps if you're only going to use like one combo. 
you know, if you've built them a certain mm-hmm. way and you're mainly concerned about solving or being a medic or making alchemical, po- you know, stuff like that, yeah. you might yeah. you might just want to increase your skill. The fact that it could at one point cost more than taking a step down a path, I think, does make sense. Like well, it's, said, it's just eh. that if you're adding a new one, because even in this situation, you're you're improving a thing that you're already proficient in. So you what, have five points considered. Well, let's say because that's maybe, already twenty five. Maybe taking your first your first foray into it is well. So that's why I thought ten, right? So like my first foray is maybe ten for the first, then a sliding scale of five times the number you're adding. So ten for the first. So where you're like, okay, I'm going to spend ten momentum, and I'm going to be a I'm going to get a plus one. To being a medic like uh-huh. i'm studying like say nin with uh mm-hmm. is just watching cal trying to get her hands her hands dirty uh, would it be too much to have something like okay well you need to have used it five times i i think the number because like why are you, you can spend momentum to be up but if you actually like did five medical checks like so kind of thing, i yeah i think that idea is in the right i, I think that's mm-hmm. the right idea direction but here's the problem is that a lot of t- a lot of stuff that happens in our game doesn't happen on camera that's true so what if i say like okay well you've got a month to spend what are you doing oh my character's gonna go and and help out at the hospital all right you know like Mm -hmm. how many do you really want me to roll checks to figure it out you're like you got a month worth of experience you can yeah if you want to spend the momentum and and increase your skill you can i like us giving options like that like i want this game to be 1992 legos not 2019 legos like you can do anything instead of giving a here's right here's what you do here's the blueprint only do this put it on your shelf so the idea of you got a big box of loose Legos. Yeah. And there are six different things on a picture that you could build out of these. Yep. And then just let them go nuts. Because your your GM is going to be the cap on yeah. anything they don't want in their game. So instead of a rule for something like this, the only rule I want is how, how much it costs. Yeah. In, in terms of like, it costs this much to increase your profession. But the guidelines, I think it should be a month of serious practice increases you by one. If you're willing to spend momentum on, it. I think that's got to mm-hmm. scale too. I really do. That's not a bad idea either. That yeah. that, that should scale. Like, uh, it can be shorter if it's been really intensive. Oh, I I also just like taking taking a single step into alchemy is a thing you can learn in like three afternoons. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I agree. And they're like, oh, I know how to make a thing, but to be like, okay, now I need to to increase my step. I, I need to know how to make twenty things. Now it's now it's going to take two weeks of, of so pretty just an exponential scale with no upper limit. Yeah. Okay. So let's let's start then. But I mean, obviously, we say GM's discretion. Here's yeah. a guideline. If you believe that what they've just undergone, so for instance, you enter medical school to become a doctor. You enter boot camp to become a medic. You're coming out there with more immediate use skill. Yes. Than the person mm-hmm. who went to college, who who has just started college to be a doctor, at the end of twelve weeks, yeah, the the person who went to boot camp is get is getting more immediate use skill that you would consider skill points, you know, like that you could put in. However, <laughs> at the end of that time, uh, the, in their residency, yes. yeah, exactly. Yeah. At, at the end of their of their schooling, that I would I would much rather have surgery performed on me by somebody who went to school for it than a medic. Yeah. If I have the option. If you're like from one to like six years, you want the medic. And then after that, maybe, like, yeah. Someone I'm, who's been, I'm saying three. I'm saying someone who's been training as a doctor for seven years is really just getting into it. They're out of school. They're getting a medic has had seven years of experience. They're pretty good at it. But and then field, after and that, field experience. Yeah. yeah. So, so I think like field experience should count for more Absolutely. if it's extreme. However, I think that should be the sliding scale of GMs. You say like, for instance, if somebody goes to school to become an engineer, 
at the end of that time, they're going to have maybe a plus seven, whereas the tinkerer who's just been tinkering for seven years is going to have a plus four. Horrible, horrible tinkering. <laughs> you going to use them bodies? I think there's uh, the calcium in the bones, right? Maybe yeah. I can get at it. Okay, so let's let's make a guideline then. So so I'm going to do some quick math. Let's say it's ten for your first point in a new profession, and your GM has to agree. What what do you what do you have to dedicate? We'll say um, depending on the profession between three days and a week. Yeah, of of dedicated practice, mm-hmm. right? And that's ten momentum that you spend, right? Yep. Okay. So for your second point, I would say one to three, ten momentum each. Then. Because getting to five, then like yeah, it, th- yeah. there's a point where like when you when you commutatively look at five and all of the costs combined, you're like, is that worth the two and a half steps down a path? Okay, so one point ten momentum, three days to a week of practice, two points, ten momentum, six seven weeks. I would say yeah, I would say two months. I would say three months. Okay, yeah, and that can be shortened with intensive mm-hmm. experience, like you know. Uh, three points a year, ten momentum, and again, like this is that is the length where if you're like, okay, well, a year passes. What do you do during that year? Yeah, you can just say I do this. Yeah, mm-hmm. and if it's something that's happening in game, constantly difficult, that shortens dramatically. Yes. Okay. Okay. Now let's get on that sliding scale. Four points. I'm saying twenty. Oh, okay. Okay, let's do four points. Mm-hmm. Because the, the, the time scale is now going to be the bigger part. Yeah. Well, actually, I think it maybe it stays a year. Because think about you just did a year. Yeah. You're doing another year. It's an additional year. Yeah. Okay. So it's not one year or three years. You're not, you're not saying, oh, well, I'm just going to spend one year and I'll get four points in a profession yeah. I've never tried. No. You live through each of these. Yeah. All right. And then five points, 30. Yes. Another year. Yes. Beyond- Six points. I'm saying 45 momentum. That's- I you are going to say 45 years. I was like, that's a bit steep. I would, but also uh, probably realistic. Yeah. I, would say f- I would say 40, but like three years. Okay. Because you're now getting real good. So then we'll just make that the sliding scale from here on. Yeah. So uh, it'll be... Uh, no, you know what? I want to keep it one year. Okay. I want to keep it one year each time. But now the momentum scales. That works. And a GM could be like, you were born a virtuoso. Here's three. Yeah. You, you could even say, like, I want to give up one of my steps at character creation. I'm just going to be, I'm going to start off just as core to have three points in additional profession. Yeah. That could be fun. Yeah. Like, you want to be core ice. You could sit back there and fucking <laughs> be an alchemist. Does this level you up? No. Okay. No, it does not. That becomes scary. Yeah, it doesn't level you up because it's, we're talking 10 momentum chunks. Yeah. Yeah. You, if you're doing something other than the step you're on, uh-huh. it doesn't level you up. Okay. What if you are focusing on that step? What do you mean? Would it level you up if you were if everything was aligned? Hmm. What if it like, levels you up? You are a scoundrel. Your profession is scoundrel, and you are getting to be a better scoundrel. Does that... I don't think so. No. Okay. What if it, what if it levels you up once you get to five? Like, if you've got four points in something you haven't leveled up, and now you're like, I want to spend 30 momentum, I've spent I like a that. year. I like that, actually. Yeah. Okay. Because after pro- you, prof- it, Like, professions only matter in chunks of five. Yeah. Yeah. After a year of doing something, you come out of it. Yeah. Okay. So, 
at five every time you get it. Because now, remember, momentum mm-hmm. cost is above 30. Yes. Every time you do it, you get a level. I like that. Yeah. Because if you're just, I mean, the the main profession I can think of that Alchemist. You, is alchemy. You will, you'd be like, I'm going to be the potion maker. I'm going to make bombs. I'm going to do all this. And I will spend the momentum to do it. Like, because now we're talking level zero, character creation. I create a character's alchemy, five points. Okay. 40 momentum, another point in alchemy. So may, maybe, okay, let's make it a flat 30, five and above. Okay. And it's another way to level. All right. How about that? Yeah. You get, do you get any health? You got, you got to. Okay. Like. Maybe, okay. But it's a profession. It's a profession. I think you get four. You don't get five. Uh, deal. All right. Because you're not improving yeah. your body. Like, no, deal yeah. with it. Like, that's a deal. But like, yeah, no health. You, then, then that build becomes unreasonable and unsustainable. Yeah. Agreed. Okay. Very quickly. <laughs> All right. That's cool. So that's another yeah. way to level up your character. But I like that 30 momentum is what we think of as a level. So, But it, it, it also makes a fun way of thinking about NPCs that you're in. We're like, oh, he's a scholar. He's very good at being a scholar. He is a higher level character, but he's a profession higher level mm-hmm. character. He's not an adventurer. I like that. Okay. I feel like that's really good. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Okay, so now stealth rules. We haven't really we talked about opposed roles. I think we have a lot of a lot of mental baggage around the systems we've played before regarding stealth and sneak attack and stuff like that yes. because our scoundrel now doesn't use that they use ambush tactics yeah i think instead of having extra damage associated with a an actual attack you do while sneaking it's just an auto crit if they have no idea you're there all right dope right just it it hits it crits period we're not there it doesn't have you don't get extra yeah. dice you don't get any of that i will i will say i i think we have to then also sublet certain magical abilities because i don't think you should be able to stealth hit with a burning lance i don't think that is possible because it's big and bright (laughs) well what if you what if you still have to roll to hit but it's going to crit no matter what what if you get a bonus to hit maybe that's what it is a bonus to hit you get like a plus five period flat solid plus five to hit and if it hits it crits asterisk daggers crit (laughs) just instant you just put it there yeah but i mean like sneak attacks fail even when people don't see you because they move Mm-hmm. They'll just they, because they don't know you're there. Hey, Bill, what do you? Whoa, what was that? I feel like that happens. Plus five to hit, auto crit. Yeah, just makes me think of Hoda, sneak attack or the fucking Peter Gabriel. Which yeah. is which? By the way, still there, there aren't rules that make sense for that in other systems no. that I've mm-hmm. at least that I've played. Whereas, like if you watch Seven Samurai, if that ain't Hoda waiting behind that door frame, mm-hmm. you know, waiting for the samurai to walk through, that's a sneak attack. Yeah, for sure. A good swordsman parries the blade. 
Well, what if he's drunk? He would never get that drunk. <laughs> a good swordsman. Was a samurai. Yeah, good samurai. Mm. Has to parry a hammer. What are you joking? Yeah. So even samurai used hammers. They used guns. Yep. All right, so in regards to homework, I think because of the crunch that we've been under with the start of a new school year and yeah. all this crazy shit, um, I've done two of the three, and I kind of want to talk about the third, and then we'll freestyle maybe a couple extra. So the first one I have is an artifact, living up to our game's namesake here. And I came up with the idea of uh, arc beads, two polished white beads. They're a little bit bigger than a pill you would swallow, let's say, and 10 millimeter in diameter, and they hold to one another through magnetism, and they're highly polished. And when separated no further than six inches, they create an arc of superheated plasma that can be used to start fires or cut through certain materials, though very slowly. And the arc can be bent and shaped by rotating the beads relative to each other. But if they are held more than six inches apart, the arc vanishes, and they're unaffected by the heat they generate. They're cooled to the touch. I just put in that they'll attempt to join if they're closer than 10 inches apart, meaning just through magnetism, you know. And if one of the two is lost, they no longer function. That's awesome. But that's all I... I think they could use a better name than arc beads. Thunder pearls. <laughs> lightning pearls works good. Yeah. Does it look like lightning, though, or does it look like the milky... You know what I mean? Like a Jacob's Ladder. Is yeah, that... it's still electrical looking, though. Yeah, but does does it make the noise? Maybe buzz beads? Bzz, but that sounds like a sex toy. Those are those... Yeah, Black dude, that you hold in your plasma hand you beads up. sounds like a sex... They all sound... Just beads, anything, mm-hmm. sounds like a sex toy. You call them cracker, cr- crackers. Cracklers. Cracklers, I like that. That sounds like the McGargle version. Yeah. <laughs> they may explode. Yeah. You only have one. There's not a pair. You throw it, and it just zaps anything. You hold one out, and another one will come. Yeah. <laughs> From yeah. where you do not yeah. know. It's, it's like Thor's hammer in the yeah. first just, Avengers crashing through the... <laughs> it just it bros through the ground <laughs> up. You're like, oh, shit. Somebody's pocket has a hole in it. But I would almost think you you would think of it because the way you would use it primarily would be as a saw. Mm-hmm. Or if there are some outside hinges. Yeah. Or a torture device. An arc saw? Yeah. Or it's some somebody's knife. Maybe like welder's knife. Like some yeah. profession you would not associate a knife with unless they had this. We had a name for the, um, the Harad who were nomadic, right? Yeah. Because that seems like a tool they would have out in the desert. Yeah. Firestarter like that? I think nobody has it until yeah. you find it. They're the the Kadon. Kadon. Yeah, I think this is not a common thing, but you'd call it like a... Sorcerer's Blade. Spark Knife. The yeah. Apothecary's like Friend. Maybe Spark Knife? Spark like Knife spark works. Knife. Yeah. I like Spark Knife better. And that's, yeah, that's the artifact. I just thought something just small that you would be like, you'd keep it in your bag and you're like, oh, I can't get through this fucking door. And you're like, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna use this little thing and try to. You're gonna use it like a porta band, like the portable band saws, you know. And I thought of I got a monster here. I call them the Gaspers, and they were a once prevalent enemy to the ancient Savathians. These eel-like creatures were long ago defeated by a curse that destroyed their minds and culture. They sometimes slither up onto the land to find food, despite not being able to survive long out of water. Tight. Ooh. So they're twelve feet long. Their heads are mostly made up of a giant hinged mouth. Their own eyes are closed, and above and around their heads is a blazing orange wreath, below which hang a pair of ravenous spectral eyes that are always searching for something. The only warning that people venturing near shore, near affected shores will hear is them gasping very loudly, like, <gasps> every few seconds. That is really cool, and it makes me think of, what if there was like a mix between an antlion and a lungfish? 
Yeah, I like that too. What do you mean so like it buried itself? Buried itself and you're just walking along, you step on it and it pops out and tries to eat you. I think there's there's a few um that's a that's a trope we can exploit, you know, trapdoor spiders, mm-hmm. ant lions, that kind of thing. We can yeah. do that too. Yeah. I just like the idea that maybe they slither, you know, they come yeah. out at night and you see like an orange glow outside the window, you're like, What the fuck is that? That's awesome though, I like that. <laughs> but also maybe well, they're also linked in history to something. Yeah, you might find like an underground city of theirs, you know. That they were like a magical race, and they don't have limbs, but they used magic to do things and, and shape things. I guess it kind of is similar kind of like to an Aboleth or a Naga. Yeah. But, I don't know. The fact that they were biological that wielded magic and it backfired, so now they're just monsters. I think that could be a fun yeah. thing to do underwater. We don't have a lot of underwater stuff yet. Uh, ritual, I didn't, I didn't come up with one. Because I, I thought of like three different things and like what you'd really want to use magic for in the game. And I was thinking about combat stuff, stuff that you could begin outside of combat and then use in combat if you know it. Like uh-huh. maybe something where you could put a mark on someone's hand and if they touch the target's face with it as an attack action, uh, it would make it so that that target has to roll twice and use the lower result on all attacks until it ends. You have to make an unarmed attack, basically, to land it. But the person who knows the ritual doesn't have to be the person who lands it. They can Hmm. mark someone else. Yes. So, for instance, in our group, Nin would put it on Hoda's hand, and then Liam's character, Reggie, would be like, "Uh, take the shot, Hoda. Stick it to their face, you know, and then then the brand would be on their face. And maybe for, like, 1d6 rounds, they roll twice and use the lower result on every attack. Stuff like... So I think that one's fun, right? Like, that's such a simple thing that... um, Because in my head... The biggest roadblock I'm, I'm running into with coming up with rituals is the fact that they sometimes could just do something that another path could do. Yeah. Unless you could grant it to other people like this. Maybe the cost is low, but once you try to use it, you have to decide to try to use it. Maybe it does like a D4 of damage to you because it burns and you're going to put this on them. And then the moment, like you have to say an activation word, which makes it burn into your mm-hmm. palm. And if you miss them, you miss them. It's gone. That's it. So what would we call that? Like, uh, what if, okay, what if instead of the lower result, it's a chance to swing at nothing because it makes you hallucinate? Ooh. So it's not going to make you attack your friends, but it may make you attack empty space. How would that be decided? Maybe a, a roll of a D4. Maybe um, if you roll, a, if they roll a four. Kind of like the Howards. Yeah. Well, well mm-hmm. if they roll a three or a four, it lasts for... 2d4 rounds. No, that's way too much. It could be 8. A, yeah. d- a d6. What yeah. if... A d6 of rounds. They roll to hit, and if they do hit, then they roll to see if they actually hit. So that's very similar to the mechanics of blur and mirror image in uh, D&D, and I think they're fine. Mm-hmm. I yeah. want the... I want the uh, you put it on them. I feel like it's likely they're still going to hit you. Right? So let's make 3 and 4 normal. They, they know who they're attacking. Yep. Everything that. 1 and 2 are different. So one, they attack an empty space. What's a fun thing you could do with two? They grant the upper hand they to everybody? Cow- yeah, they cower in fear. Or maybe they just, like, one, they attack an empty space and they're not. What if they would only attack an ally? If they've got no allies, it's useless. That's true. Yeah. Hmm. They just lose an action? No. They're, just, they're too afraid to move? So I think one and two, no matter what, they grant the upper hand. Yes. A one, they... Paranoid? Maybe we can give them paranoia as a flat thing, uh-huh. and maybe it's maybe it's just a fifty-fifty. Fifty-fifty, okay. they they get the right target. Okay, I like that. So they still have to roll to hit all that, and then fifty-fifty, they attacked an empty space, but they get the paranoia condition. They can't 
benefit from ally buffs. Yep. It's like mark of paranoia or like okay. like hallucinative hallucination paranoia. Odds they get the right target. Okay. Evens they they attack empty space. With paranoia? No. I think they always grant the upper hand. Okay. So if they're attacking you, you can't make an attack against them. Nope. But if they miss you, you do. And everyone else does. Yeah. Well, anyone in melee. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, they grant the upper hand, and they get that 50-50. I think that's enough of a of a thing to be like, for 1d6 rounds, that might really turn the tide. Yes. Yeah. All right. What do we call that? I think mark, right? Like, it's something with a mark. Because you put a mark on the person, and you put a mark on the enemy. Red-eye mark. Mark of the hunted? Yeah. Because they feel like they're being attacked by more people than they are. Oh, mob, uh, lynch, things like that where Mm -hmm. it kind of increases the number of people who are attacking you. To you, at least. Mm. Blood-branded. Brand of the fugitive? The fugitive's brand? I like that. Yeah. I'm just thinking of somebody... All right, Kimball. Yeah, somebody who is hunted is the idea, right? Like, So somebody who's being chased by a lot of people is a fugitive. Yeah, fugitive's brand. I like it. Okay. Now, what's the ritual? I think it takes maybe an hour to prep. Sounds good. Maybe the person preparing the ritual has to take on a condition, like a stage one condition. Paranoia would be good. Or just, or just roll. You have to roll. Oof. Maybe it but wouldn't then, make sense to get a concussion though, it, or like a broken arm or something. Parano- paranoia makes sense. Yeah. Although it would suck to not benefit from, from ally yeah. buffs, but you can still get healed, so yeah. that's good. Yeah. So maybe you you gain paranoia. You're sitting there doing the ritual. You're just concentrating, and you're snapping your arms like. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it worked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you gain you gain paranoia for 24 hours. Because mm. cause it'll last for 48 on their hand. Yeah, that sounds good. Okay. Right? That's doable. Um, so you're like, if you are about if you know you're about to showdown with a boss, you're like, okay, you know what? It'll be worth it for me to have paranoia in this to get the chance for them to have this for six rounds. It might let us mop up. Do you, you, do you need to know the mark first? Oh yeah, any ritual you need to you need to have learned. No, no, I mean the the target. I don't think so. Okay. I think it's I think it lasts for 48 hours on the recipient's hand. It deals damage to the recipient. So I think it should be more than 1d4, right? Like it should burn to do this. This is this is a hu- this is a huge debuff. Like they grant the upper hand for maybe I think 2d4 is appropriate then. If we increase yeah. the damage it does to the person. Okay. And you gain paranoia. 2d4 rounds, right? 2d4 damage. Sounds good. It's an unarmed attack that deals no damage. Because two, two rounds is great. Yeah, two ra- if you roll snake eyes, it's still mm-hmm. worth it. Yeah. Yep. If you roll boxcars, yeah. eight rounds, that's the entire fight, plus uh-huh. two probably. And that guy is pr- probably dead. Yeah. yeah. It's going to go quick too. But the idea that like the, maybe the healer, your healer might get paranoia, that's not nothing. Mm-mm. That is a risk-reward situation. Yeah. You might have to sit in a cave for 24 hours and fight the next day maybe i think there are multiple times i've played in, in tabletop rpgs where i would have gladly taken it yeah to to get that benefit but that still would have mattered like it's not it's not like oh well it doesn't matter because we're giving it to this guy like it always will matter in our game because if you have somebody with command it means they can't they can't grant you attacks which are heals nope. right and they can't grant you movement to get out of danger yeah. and zealotry is the same thing damn that's cool though as much as I like getting them in games, I really don't like receiving weapons that are a plus one or a plus two. Like, I like, I, sorry, I like receiving weapons 
so in Pathfinder, I'm like, I need a plus two sword, magical sword. I don't have a magical sword at all. My freestyle fighter has a falchion and a long sword mm-hmm. and whatever he picks up. Like, he just uses anything he finds. But if I had a plus two sword, I would qualify for an extra thing where there's a feat, a combat feat called Ghost Slayer. I can spend a move action as a freestyle fighter to gain a combat feat I don't know. And it allows me to be able to hit ghosts for reduced damage. Whereas normally, it would, yeah, I can't, I just can't do it. But if I have a plus two weapon, I deal full damage with that feat. So, like, we just had a character death, and now we're trying to figure out how to, get, like, sell all the shit we have, because we now have some downtime. And with all the shit we've got, like, I could afford to get a—I could spend more than half to just get my character a plus two weapon to qualify for that feat, or everybody else can get kitted the fuck out. Yeah. <laughs> because Because it's really expensive. And, like, I'll be honest with you, my character does not need the help. Like, he's doing great. I can drop my two-handed sword— pull out a long sword and a shield and then spend a move action to gain a feat where if I don't attack on my turn I get plus four extra AC I had an idea for an artifact let's hear it it is a diron tube about 15 inches long okay and it swallows light so it's the street darkener from no. wizard people it just in a direction directional field like a cone yes it just swallows it all is light is an anti-flashlight yes that's cool. I like that. So it's 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 my exact flashlight, but shoots darkness. So it's just a cone of no one can see in, no one can see out. So it, it can blind the people who are in it. Yes, because their eyes won't be able to function because there's no light. And eyeballs won't function without light. I like that. I like it a lot. I feel like you would use it, like maybe it was it was invented for a completely different purpose yeah. than combat, right? So it was, it was invented because you had light-sensitive components and like you had to see where they were and then you would turn that on so that you could work on them before you sealed them back up maybe using like infrared or something yeah but if you point it at somebody their eyes cease to function tight doesn't damage them they just can't operate but nobody can and all of our races there's no such thing as dark vision in our game nope, nope. and even then dark vision still requires light yeah this just a little you bit cannot of shine a light into this yeah nope no no dark vision does not require light in other rpgs Oh, I'm just talking about like biology. Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. everything requires a little bit of light. That's a no yeah. one can see in the dark. Right? Snakes would be able to bite you though. Yeah, because they're heat sensing. Yeah, I like that. That would be a thing. No, I, I like that a lot actually. Um, because dark vision is not a mechanic in our game. Neither is dim light vision. Blind things are though. Blind things are. Yeah. So you, if you see <laughs> yeah. th- something that's obviously blind, got no eyes. Mm-hmm. Why would you limit yourself in that way? And you'd say, oh, that's a weakness for that device. You wouldn't pull out the spark knife yeah. to fight creatures. To, to fight fire. Yeah. It, things. Yeah, it's fine. A creature that is seven inches wide defeats the dark knife. Also, the spark... <laughs> yeah, it's true. Also, the sparkness, The spark knife is spark not knife. a weapon. Like, no. You could damage something with it, but you would rather use a brick yeah. than that. <laughs> you know? Uh, okay. I like that. What do we call it? So, it, it, it's a, it shoots a cone of darkness... How far? Three squares? No. Three it's got to be. Well, actually, if it's used for fine components, yeah. think about it. Like, it's something mm-hmm. for working on something, right? Because yeah, why would they invent this? 15 feet. Yeah. It goes 15 feet, period. Maybe, uh, well, let's let's think of it as a cone, right? Cone three. Well, no, cone, yeah, cone three. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so it's a, it's a cone three from your space of darkness, and it just, anything sight-related, it stops. Light, you can't see light in. Light light does not go in. Light does not come out, period. What about lasers? 
No, that's light. Dope. Because that's actually maybe the real reason it would be invented. That's a really yeah. good... Using it as a defense against lasers? <laughs> that's a really... Yeah, Liam, good that's job. Dope. That's fucking great. Plus one life momentum. God, I can't wait to turn that in and become like, I don't know, better adulting <laughs> or something. I'll use it on health insurance. Uh, so let's... By the way, we're in America. I'm dying. So let's go... Um, the light thief. Maybe. Dark cone projector. <laughs> I almost want to steal Street Darkener from Wizard People Do <laughs> yes. Readers. I want I want the opposite of a flashlight. Well, it's a tube. So it, it, it looks like a flash. It looks like a maglite. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But what if we saw it and we'd never seen a maglite before, what would we call it? We call it the uh, the Black Baton. Oh, I like that. Ooh. That's a good name for a sex toy, too. I'm blanking right now, but what's the Dark Moon? Oh. Call it the Eye or the... Oh, that's a good idea, Max. Shit. Or their dick. Either way. Zerusha. Zerusha's baton. I like that. Zerusha's rod. Yes. yes. All right. Zerusha's rod. So somebody finds an old lab and they're like, this is a holy place. <laughs> it is dark. Yeah. But just being a defense against lasers is way better than mine. That's a really good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Just, Zer- they're, they're, you're in a weird dungeon. There are trip yeah. lasers and you're just like, no. And also flavor text. Like maybe it, like it feels cold in there. Oh, definitely. Not enough yeah. to hurt you. But it's cold. Which is weird. Yeah. yeah. It's cold. Because there's no energy, like there's no light, there's no heat, there's yeah. no... no. Like you give off heat in there, but you're not in a vacuum. Yeah, so you're not boiling. But yourself. it just like you've just reduced the ambient temperature. You you've removed some of the ambient temperature. I like that. Zarusha's rod. Liam, you had an idea as well. Yes. All right. Let's hear it. This would be the uh, Chasm Knight's shield belt. It would just be like a back facing fanny pack. My of- favorite kind. Of like arranged battery looking things, kind of technical looking, and they were used by this group of knights. And what it does is, the first time you get hit, it puts up invigorate for six points functionally. Oh, nice. A shielding, yeah, shielding for not, six. Not invigorate because invigorate confers yeah. a bonus to somebody else. Oh, when it's too, yeah. yeah, okay. But yeah, shielding for six points, and then does it have a recharge period? Yes, that is done randomly. Uh, every turn after that, you roll a d six. After you get 12 total points or 10 total points, I think actually might be I, better. I really like that idea. I like So I thought you were going to say every time you roll a six, it, it's recharged. I like that you have to accrue extra points. Yes, mm-hmm. and that you can't be done in one turn. Yes. Because you're basically just slapping it like, all right, come back on. Yeah. Let's do this thing. <laughs> no, I think it just needs to spin up it's, again. Yeah. It's the flamethrower from the thing. No, I really like that idea. Um, I think let's start with 12. If it needs to be reduced... To where it would never come okay. back on again. Let's start with 12. Because if you roll two fives or two sixes... So if you roll two fives, it comes back on. If you roll a four and a four and a six, it comes back on. That's two conditions where it comes back on in two turns. All right, yeah. I think three turn generally should... So be three, the goal? Three and four should be the curve that we should shoot for. And two is possible. Two is possible, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I, I really like that, Liam. That's a really good idea. It's it would also it just it's also just a nice defensive artifact. Yeah, what yeah. do you, what what were you calling it? Uh, Chasm Knight's shield. Can you explain Chasm Knight? Chasm Sultan is the bassist for Todd Rundgren. The I'm just naming this group of knights that wore this after him. All right. I will tell you how to spell it afterwards because it is not how you think it is. I put C H A S M. I don't think it is. No, I think they were they were an order of knights three or four civilizations ago they're kind of famous mm. people people know that these things exist but you don't really find them i like it i really like that and a battery is not out of the like our time oh god I've, I've looked so far into 
batteries that don't decay. Uh-huh. I looked at uh, carbon nanoplate batteries. Those things are ridiculous. They're, That's cool. They got to be in our game. I was thinking more like the Baghdad battery, which is just for electroplating yeah. and, and counterfeiting. That's my probably. favorite thing in the world. That one of the first like electronics they found was for counterfeiting. <laughs> People were like, "Fuck you, Romans! That shit's gold." The Romans were not around when the Baghdad battery I know, was but... made. <laughs> it predated them like by thirteen hundred years. Yeah, just I remember like, somebody was like, uh, "You know, ancient Rome." I remember when I was a kid. I was probably like seven. Somebody's like, "Ancient Rome is more recent to us." Than ancient Egypt was to the ancient Romans. I was like, yeah. <laughs> like, as a kid, that fucking blew my yeah, mind. Time will blow. Yeah, Cleopatra is closer to us. All right. I feel really good about these, especially the artifacts in our 11th hour of this particular episode. Those are good. I Wait, like this was 12 hours? Yeah. <laughs> two, the two minutes we to, to midnight. If you we were to divide this episode by 12. Okay. Yeah. It's the 11th of that thing. Okay. And I swear I didn't just look around the room and see a mag light and come up with my idea. Oh, shit. It's right there. <laughs> I swear I didn't Max. look around the room and then see a battery. Yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of electronics around us right now. And a f- couple of fanny packs, if I'm going to be real. <laughs> I need a new fanny pack, by the way. So, listeners, <laughs> listeners we, if you have a recommendation yeah. on fanny packs, uh, I am in full dad mode. Zero shame. I, I, I'm interested in seeing what your recommendations are. So... Thank you, everybody, for listening. If you want to get access to the rule books that we make for this game, you can check us out on patreon.com slash RPGFS. At every tier, we've got something for patrons. If you want to see this game get made, we need more patrons to release, cutting room floor clips to release, character sheets, rule books, and who can make NPCs for us for our longer-running campaign, Echoes of the Star Crypt. And the money would be great to support our drug habits. And also, uh, equipment. We need to upgrade the studio, so we want to stream over video ASAP so that you guys can join us on Twitch or whatever platform we end up using also you can find us at facebook.com slash rpgfs you can also find us on Instagram at rpg from scratch that's all one word and you can find us on our now much more active Twitter account at homebrew hombres so thank you everybody for listening and until next time stay safe stand watch and get a full rest Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.